1: In this podcast we travel about Borough's win against Coventry We speak to Craig Johns from the Gazette about the last few days of the transfer window We look ahead to Borough's FA Cup tie with Manchester United And of course, we answer your podcast questions This is the Borough Breakdown Podcast And this is all your Borough Master chatter in a pod
2: Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett, hit it
0: Higgy, Higgy, hits the transfer!
3: And now coming alive again
1: Janino wants the ball play to him
0: Spots
1: Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Borough Podcast that gives you all of your Borough Master chatter in a podcast. And Borough made it five wins in a row at the Riverside over a 1-0 win over Conry City. The golf Drospera helped Borah move back into the playoff places with 45 points from 28 games. Guys, Chris Wilder wanted a reaction from Monday night, but now I want a reaction from you. Uh, Dana, how are you feeling in three words or a meme?
4: I'm actually not going to pick a meme this week, that was last week only, but I've gone for three words that I might have used before in a previous podcast, but the real deal, because Borough have won comprehensively now in terms of their performance, they've won with late winners, and now we've won Granite Out and it wasn't a vintage performance from Borough. It wasn't a pretty performance. But at the same time, there wasn't anything ugly about it because I think there's a beauty, actually, in winning that sort of way, where you're waiting for the referee to blow the whistle, grinding the game out, and then when he does, it's that big fist pump moment at the end. And, yeah, I love those types of wins. Those are the types of wins that I know Borough for, really, uh, under ITO Ranka when we went up. Um, I really love Borough winning that way. So, yeah, it was a, a good win and another big tick in the box in terms of Borough being a team that can go up this season
1: Dana's real
2: deal Uh, Tom (laughs) what are you going to go for meme or three words I'm going to go with the three words I don't think I'm going to go for a hard fought win Um, I thought yesterday wasn't our our best performance but I, I don't think you know the opposition or the elements actually kind of allowed for that. Uh, I thought Coventry were very good, and it was one of those games. I think like Blackpool, where I thought both teams played well, and it could have went either way. Um, that said, though, we we did what we needed to do to to limit their chances, um, and and then we had one moment of quality, which uh, which led to, to our goal, which ultimately sealed it. So it's a good way to win. Uh good that we ground that out despite not playing at our best and get yeah, on to the next one now.
1: I want to go with Balogun real deal. Uh fantastic. What a player. What a player. Um he's he's got some fan, got some fantastic technical ability, but I'm sure we'll see more of him in the near future. Uh but guys, let's try a commentary then because how would you assess the performance yesterday, Dan? I know you were saying the real deal there. So let's let's open up a little bit more. How would you assess it?
4: Yeah, it was a really interesting contest between really two really good football insides. I think Coventry, the best side that I've seen at the Riverside this season, their movement off the ball was really good. Some really good intricate link up play and combination work. But Borough, I did notice a few people were questioning why Borough were playing it long from the back from Lumley. But I actually think it's a really clever tactic from Chris Wilder because there's a YouTube video from James Alcott, the League of 92, on YouTube, which really goes into detail on the tactical side of. Chris Wilder's start to his time at Borough and one of the points that he made is that Borough do switch it up playing it out from the back and building up attacks and as I mentioned on the last podcast Coventry are very good at winning the ball very high up the pitch Callum O'Hare is still one of the best players in the division for pressing and winning possession of the ball in the final third so for Borough to play their usual way playing it out from the back along the floor Gates commentary, I think would have played into their hands. So it was actually a really clever tactic from Murray to do that. And ultimately the first half I actually quite enjoyed. The second half was a lot more scrappier. Both teams didn't really keep hold of the ball. I saw 16 and 17 times possession loss from either side yesterday in the second half. So it, it wasn't a game where I think either side had particularly great control in the second half, but Borough took their chance when they needed to. And then, of course, we we ground the win out. But yeah, it was a, there was some really interesting parts to that game, which obviously we will delve into further later on in the pod.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on the, on the long ball because... Coventry are very, very good at setting up traps on the press. Um, they're very well, well drilled in that front as well. It's where, like, if if safe, the example would be if Fry passed it to McNair, then the a full press would happen, or maybe like a half press would happen. Maybe if we were to pass it to, to House, and it was very <coughs> interesting how they were set up. Um, I okay. could see why Borough were looking to do that. Uh, but Tom, Coventry came in the side, uh, came at the game, winning three out the four, three out four. Um, certainly gave Borough one for the money yesterday. How would you assess it? and what impressed you by Coventry yesterday?
2: So I think in terms of Coventry's play, what impressed me was that link-up. You can tell that that group of players has been playing together for a long time. They just really know where where they're all going to be at any one time. Some of the, the passing play around our defence was was too scary for my liking, but uh, <laughs> thankfully they didn't make anything of it. Just to go back to the um, the long ball thing, something I did notice yesterday was... Uh, I think we were kind of taking advantage of the elements a little bit. Um, we did start the first half in, like, we were in kicking towards the south stand, which we haven't been doing for for quite a few few games now. And coincidentally, that's the way the wind was blowing as well. Um, and I, I do think that when Lumley was taking these long goal kicks, that was definitely something we were we were looking to to exploit because. Sparar and Connolly were constantly behind that defensive line for the goal kicks and there was a couple which def- which just went over uh, and, and they were able to kind of uh, run onto that so I think that was kind of very clever from us that that we managed to to pick up on that and, and exploit in the first half.
1: Absolutely Tom, I fully agree on that one. It, it's nice to see us be adaptable in our game and <clears throat> find a different way to try and grind out a result but then is there anything else that that impressed you from commentary yesterday, because you know, I know you were saying they're the best team that you've seen at the Riverside so far this season. Any more to add to that?
4: Yeah, I thought Yorkeish. I mean, Chris Wilder mentioned Yorkeish after the game. A very good centre half. Uh, centre half. Centre forward display up against both centre halves. I think he caused them a big, big problem. And um, obviously, we'll we'll speak about certain players of the praise in place. But I actually thought Fry did really well up against him because it was a really tough afternoon for Fry. But he went toe to toe with Yorkeish throughout the majority of the game. There were a few times where, I think there was a moment in the second half where Yokeresh basically dummied it beyond Fry and then all of a sudden you see Fry trying to catch up with him. And, and to be fair, he doesn't. He actually gets the block in at the end. But well, I thought he, Yokeresh, this is, uh, did really good. Um, the movement, the cleverness, the dropping deep, linking up with other players, I thought he was he was really good. And I, by all accounts, commentary fans are sick of opposition teams, fans praising them because it seems to have happened quite a lot of times this season where they've gone to other teams, grounds and, and done well, but not come away with anything. But yeah, they, they do look like a very well-oiled unit under Mark Robbins, for sure.
1: Absolutely. And shout out to Maddow for calling him Djokovic for the first half. Um, oh, did he? I know you're nice. listening, but I don't know. Um, but let's let's move into Borough's form then, Tom. Because five wins in a row now for Borough at home, what would you put that down to? And then, B, how important is it for a home form? to to really kick on in a promotion season or if we have a promotion season of course
2: Well, I, I think it's uh, it's down to a couple of things We've had the change in mentality since wilder's came in but also there's that that feel good factor around the fans slowly growing so even if we do go 1-0 down like we did against Reading, the fans were still behind the team knowing that we can come back and then on the other side of things the team's mentality knows that you know we can come back from this now Um, so I I think those two things combined are are helping it quite a lot and you know with a strong home form you you only have to look at the last promotion season to see how important that is uh, in in a promotion campaign you know that's where we picked up most of our points last time we got promoters and it it does seem like now it is becoming a bit of a fortress for us and that that can only really be a good thing in in terms of uh, trying to mount a promotion campaign
4: just to add to that as well, there was a stat I noticed before the game where uh, we've only not scored once at the Riverside this season, which looking into it was the Birmingham game um, under Neil Warnock. So only once that we haven't scored at the Riverside this season, which is a pretty good start, I would mm-hmm. say.
1: Yeah, prolific is probably mm. the the term that you're going to be looking at there. It doesn't matter how. We'll probably only score one or two, but we're prolific. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's vital that we we get these uh, runner games going in terms of getting results, especially at home, trying to build momentum. That's all this league's about. If you can build momentum, consistency, you're going to be up there towards uh, the end of the season. But let's look at the game yesterday and from, from the very top and work our way down. Uh, Tom, Chris Wilder named an unchanged 11 uh, to the side that lost against Blackburn earlier in the week. We spoke on the previous pod about potential changes that we could see, um, but were you surprised by the move?
2: I was, yeah. stood in the concourse waiting for the, the team to come out at 2 o'clock, and I, I saw that, and I was like, hmm... Like, I would have expected a a couple of changes this week. And, you know, we said um, on on Tuesday, it's probably the type of game where we would expect to see it. Um, And then a couple of minutes later after that, I was was kind of thinking, you know what? He's probably given the win in 11 from the previous games a a chance to turn it around from Blackburn before those changes. So I wasn't wasn't kind of angry at this. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like he wasn't, as of well, I wouldn't say Wilder's well, afraid to make changes anyway, but he was a bit quicker to make changes in the second half than, than we've been used to uh, in, in going for that win. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's kind of based on uh, on sub appearances, um, proving that they can make a bit more of a, an impact now. So, uh, yeah, uh, I was a bit surprised to, to start off with to uh, so, so sum that up.
1: While it did go on to say that he wanted uh, his his players to show a reaction. Do you think they actually showed that yesterday?
2: I think they did. So I I think when you look at that game in comparison to to Blackburn, there there were certain performances which were as close to a polar opposite as you could get from uh, from Monday night. Um, you know, I thought I thought Neil Taylor improved massively. I thought Tav was probably our best player yesterday, which I, I wouldn't have said for for Monday. Um yeah, I, I think that that is kind of going back to the the mentality side of things and, and trying to give them that um, that chance to bounce back and and put things right. Yeah, absolutely, so the ability to prove your worth. Um, but like, let's let's talk about the game then, because
1: Dana, Borough had thirty seven percent possession yesterday. It's the lowest we've had under Chris Wilder and the lowest uh, for for a long time. What um, are, you, are you pleased with how Borough have found another way to win? Ground, grind out a result and try to play a, a different way to try and get something out of it I know you started, said at the top about Chris Wilder and changing his, his style um. but are you, are you happy with the way that we are grinding out results now?
4: Yeah definitely you have to have those types of performances in seasons because you're going to get stern and tough opposition I thought overall the two team shapes yesterday if you look at the average positions is very very good and it was always going to be difficult for Borough because of that and the midfield runners that they have off the ball are going to cause you problems aren't they and and they're going to pull you out of position I tried to think what a Neil Warnock side would have been like coming up against Coventry yesterday because we saw it at the record they pulled us apart to be fair with their work off the ball and it it kind of happened yesterday. There were a few times where we switched off a little bit and they did get in behind. Callum Ware was caused us problems. But, yeah, it's it's the side of a good team. And I've said this on the podcast before with the late winners. It's the side of a good team as well to win in the way that we did yesterday and to be patient and to take the opportunity when it, when it arose to us. And then to see out the victory the way that we did. I think it was really, really impressive.
1: Hmm. Absolutely, I agree with you in terms of the impressive side of things. I thought it was really interesting to see both sides use the width yesterday and try to stretch each other, which was was very interesting because previously when we've when we've seen sides come to the other side, they going to more of a compact shape. But with Coventry, credit, they try to be expansive. They try to pull us out of position. I thought, bidwell at left are left wing back, and then Matson and in the second half a left wing back. The push Desire Jones back as as much as they possibly could to try and nullify the outlet. And it gave the chance of Neil Taylor to try and push forward, which he couldn't do in the, in the previous game. And I thought we created chances when we needed to, and we worked the ball well when we made when we had it, and we try to make a count. Um but the goal, Dana, lovely bit of play for Mills we're on the left hand side of player with with Balligan, of course. But let's break this goal down. How were we able to to break Coventry's defense with Sparar's goal?
4: Well, it comes from a Neil Taylor throwing initially and what happens is Balligan comes on and makes an impact instantly because he occupies that left space and gives an option basically for a triangle and that is exactly what happens. You've got two commentary players that press Neil Taylor when Tav gives him the ball back from the throwing and then it just gives Tav that space to run into and it's really good combination work on the on the left. Tav gives it to Balogun and then it's a really good cross from Balogun to be fair. You can see, he gets his head up, he sees Sparar and then, <laughs> excuse me, uh, Bidwell kind of steps out. It's, it's, it is it's poor defending from Bidwell in fairness on that left-hand side because he's in a central position, but he steps out and it gives Sparar the space to, I mean, it was a very elegant and delicate little hop onto his backside and he slid in. I mean, it wasn't delicate the way that he, he probably connected with the ball and Simon Muir, but still, it was, a, it was a really good goal. And in fairness, we've spoken a lot about Borough's right-hand side, but it was the left-hand side that really came to the fore yesterday in that goal. And there has been teasers of it, not in the Blackburn game, but in the Reading game. We saw some good link-up play between, I think it was Connolly, uh, Tav and Taylor in that game. Or uh, McNair, sorry, not Connolly. And... It just didn't quite work for us. But then having Balogun there really made an impact yesterday and definitely made the difference.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That ball in for Sparaz, absolutely beautiful. It's inch perfect. Um, but prior to that goal, Tom, Wild made a couple of changes. Piero came on for the first time. Well, for, for, for the first time to see more than two minutes. Um, Balogun came on as well for, for Howison and Connolly. It definitely worked because two minutes later we went and scored. But were you impressed the way that Pierre and Balogun came on and influenced the game?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um as you mentioned, Balogun made an impact straight away and it was it was giving us a bit more of a threat down that left hand side. I thought the the link up played between him, Taylor, and 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 Tav. Uh, and I I think we kind of touched on it just after Blackburn. I'd definitely prefer him on that side over over Connolly. Um just because I think being left-footed on that side, it does kind of give the the right angles to to play the type of assist that he did for, for Uh, But also, I think because he's so good with the ball at his feet, that type of link-up play on that left-hand side, it makes it a little bit more dangerous. And may, min- we're not relying on the right-hand side as much, which is, uh, is also good to see. Um, Piero, I, I thought, did okay. Um, I thought... You could tell he hadn't played for a couple of months because I do think he was a little bit off the tempo. But I do think when when he had a bit more time, had the ball at his feet, uh, you know, his, his passing range was superb. I think he made a, a couple of really good passes uh, shortly after he came on. Um, it's just he's going to need a bit of time to kind of get... Back, back up to tempo with it, really. We've seen him play better that, than that before. We've seen him play more physically than that before. Um, I, I just think the, the rust showed a little bit yesterday.
1: With the impact that they made then, and I appreciate you saying that, looked a little bit rusty yesterday. With the impact they made, could you see this being the start of seeing them both appear more regularly in the squad? Do you think they'll maybe find a way to get in the eleven?
2: Yeah, I think probably Balogun more than Piero, um, just from the impact that he made. And I, I do think he has looked bright the times he has came on in the last few games. Uh, like I said, Piero did, in in my opinion, look a little bit rusty yesterday, um, but it was really a Article in Northern Echo this morning uh, where Wilder had said he's going to get chances between now and the end of the season, so he just needs to to take advantage of it. But I think he also touched on the fact that the language barrier is still a problem, and you know we're, we're trying to teach him a player style of play which he's not necessarily played before. So um, I, I think Balogun seems more ready to to start, but I, I wouldn't see Pierre. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Piero uh, you know get a couple of starts at least between now and the end of the season.
1: Yeah, the, the quality is clearly there with Piero and I like appreciate that you were saying that language barrier could potentially be a thing. That's going to come with time. It'll probably improve even more. But I think when he does play, he fits in He fits in the squad quite well. And I would like to see him a little bit more. It was quite nice to see that maybe Housen come off, bring Piero in and put, obviously, a crook's, uh, eventually did occupy that number six role. But it was good to see him Get, in, get on the ball, make the, the crisp passes that we need them to. And obviously the impact they both made was fantastic. But in terms of Balogun, then, um, then it, he came on for Connolly and it, fans seem to be a little bit unhappy with, with Connolly at the moment with his three performances. How do you feel about it? And what do you think he needs to maybe get going if he hasn't been up to scratch just yet?
4: Yeah it's a difficult conversation because it is just three games but at the same time I haven't really seen any anything particularly impressive from him in the three games. I mean it is early days so I'm not going to write him off and I've got no doubt that he will offer us something from now until the end of the season that will be incredibly valuable to us in our push for promotion but it's just not really happened from this season. So, well, in the three games so far, and to be fair, he hasn't had a lot of game time recently. I think he played maybe the the cup game against Swansea where he scored two goals earlier in the campaign. But other than that, his chances have really been few and far between. So maybe it's just a case of time and patience. And Chris Wilder said as much after the game yesterday when he was asked a question about Connolly, he said that he's a good player, he's got a good CV, good pedigree, and that, He'll be okay. But yeah, it's. I, I think the link-up play between him and Sparaz, still I haven't really seen many impressive signs. I will say, though, for the interest of balance, there was a good moment yesterday, I think, within the first 10, 15 minutes where they did link up, which is something at least, um, because I certainly didn't see it against Blackburn, though much of that was probably to do with their defensive structure because I thought Blackburn were good defensively. But yeah, um, it's a difficult conversation to have because I don't want to be in the position to write him off, and I'm certainly not going to do that. It's too early to do that, but at the same time, I haven't really been too impressed with him.
1: Do you think he needs more time on the pitch then to try and resolve this, or would you want him to be taken out and maybe be a and maybe appear in shorter stints of the game?
4: I think short stints only because I've been impressed with Balogun in contrast and it's difficult to kind of compare them both because I feel like I'm, uh, or a lot of people, myself included, are kind of pinning Connolly alongside Balogun. But to be fair, when they're a for like change yesterday, you can't help but do that. But I would probably take him out the firing line because I thought Balogun obviously came on and got an assist. He made an impact yesterday. Against commentary, and then maybe introduce him in spells. He, he doesn't look match fit to me, which yeah. would be understandable because obviously, as I said, he hasn't really played too many games recently. But yeah, it's a difficult conversation to have.
1: Yeah, well, he's only played three games uh for Brighton, and then he's obviously played the three games for Middlesbrough now, and it's difficult to get up to speed. And sometimes more matches will help you get sharper, and you'll hopefully try and make the moves that you need to. And I think when we alluded to on last podcast when I was saying well oh, pizza and ice cream and they didn't really go together, um, <laughs> and, like within the same like you know ice cream and pizza, I kind of feel like the same with Spiran Baligan. I just don't think it's just something doesn't click. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like something's a little bit off. Maybe they're, they're still feeling each other out and trying to understand how the how each other's game is. Spiran um,
4: Balligan or Spiran Connolly?
1: Spiran Connolly. Um, Spiran Connolly. And then, obviously, with Balogun and Sparite, it seems a bit more that the connection is kind of there already. It feels as though you understand each other's play and game intelligence. So, it's interesting for me. When I look at Connolly, I don't see him as a centre-forward. I see him as more of a winger. Um, yeah. But it'd be interesting to see if we do maybe look to him on that left-hand side for Taylor, if we are looking to try and invert our play and try and get him behind that way. Um, but let go on. Go on.
4: Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, one one thing that I, I looked at some games and highlights of Connolly from his time at Brighton and read up a few things, and he seems to have... Uh, one of his main traits is to cut inside on his right foot, right foot from the left. But what I noticed yesterday, we were playing him on the right, and on the left, at, at, at times mm-hmm. in the first half, which, which was interesting. So, yeah, we saw it once against Reading where he did cut inside, he had a shot and it was saved by Southwood, but... I haven't really seen too much of that cut inside and shoot from him, to be honest.
1: Yeah. Well, it could come. You know, it could come like there's like there's there's a plenty of games to be played uh, before the end of the season. And he could get a little bit sharper as we move on, uh, towards the end of it. But let's let's move in the praise and place because Joel and Max Taveney were singled out by you two earlier in the week and on BBC Tees, uh, this on, on Saturday. Uh, and the majority of the spot as well, a lot of people enjoyed Max Taveney and Joel Lumley's performances, but who gets your spot this week on this podcast? Tom, who's going to be in your and place?
2: I, I had three this week, um, but... Tav was definitely top of that. <clears throat> I don't know I said to you guys in the group chat at half time. I thought it was obvious from the from the first half that he was an early kind of nominee for this, and he just carried on for the second half. I thought his work rate was absolutely fantastic yesterday. Comes back to something I've been saying for the last couple of weeks: his uh, his physical player um, kind of really adapted that centre mid role. Uh, I thought thought that was excellent yesterday. Won the ball back quite a lot, um, and and was able to. To you know, recycle the possession from there. So I, I thought it was it was such a, a turnaround from the display on Monday. Uh, I mean, from the whole team, not just him. But I mean, in terms of individual performance from Tav as well, I thought he was he was superb yesterday and definitely deserved to to kind of be top of that. But also, Joe uh, jo Lumley, um,
4: Lumley, <laughs> fa- Lumley, <laughs>
2: Joe Lumley, thankfully uh, backing up my point from uh, from Tuesday's pod of. Uh, of why he should be getting praised. I thought he was excellent yesterday. And also someone who I don't think was mentioned too much uh, from people on Twitter in terms of, uh, you know, being given praise, but Matt Crooks. I thought he, he did excellent yesterday. Uh, and especially when moving back to that number six role, uh, when Piero came on and the kind of had to change things around. I thought he was great at winning back possession and uh, uh, you know winning the amount of headers that were we going to win yesterday because of uh, you know the the long ball and the the wind. So yeah, I, I thought he did great yesterday as well.
1: So Tav
2: Lumley and Crooks for you, um, Dana. Who are you going to go
1: for?
4: I've got two of them. I have to be fair, I've got four. I'm going to be greedy this week. Uh, we'll touch on a few of them a little bit. I have to mention Tav, obviously Tav. Yep was fantastic yesterday for me he was the man of the match um he created four chances in the game no player created more and he looked very good he looked very balanced and a big criticism of Tav is that he loses the ball a lot and i don't really subscribe to that being a a criticism of him too much because he's a player that plays with risk of course when it's in our own half it's frustrating because the way that we play we could get caught on the counter attack but he was good yesterday he played through a really good ball to connolly in the first half he almost played a really good ball in the second half but i don't think that the strikers were quite on the on the same wavelength when that ball was played through and i thought he was really good yesterday um i agree with tom what you said at half time that he was a, an early contender for man of the match and and i do agree that he kept it up in the second half as well um he just looked really good defensively as as i think we've we've been accustomed to from tav really good work rate and yeah he was he was good in both areas of his game, both offensively and defensively yesterday he was crucial to that win, Lumley as well um I know there's two games to come, Derby and Forest are playing um Cardiff and Birmingham, I think today, but uh, Lumley only Travers and Nichols, uh made more saves than Lumley this game week so far so I think Lumley was crucial to the win as well and then Dale Fry I mentioned him wow. earlier but Dale Fry was really good up against the very strong centre half at uh, centre keep saying centre half centre forward performance from Victor Jokeresh. Uh no player won more aerial jewels than him in that game so Three there, but also Anthony Dykesdale as well. I think Anthony Dykesdale is just so underrated. He's so composed. Somebody said that he would barely sweat uh, d- uh, disarming a bomb. Uh, that was from Stu there, which I think is, is just a great uh, way to describe him, to be honest. He's just so calm and composed, and he's a very, very astute defender.
1: Yeah, I agree with it. With every player like you guys have mentioned, Dykes I pick every week. Um, Fry, Tav, Lumley, I thought they're all great yesterday. I think Balogun definitely deserves a mention. I think I at the start of the show, he's, he is the real deal. He's a very, very technically gifted footballer, and you can just see the quality he possesses when he comes on the pitch. He feels like the time kind of s- slows down when he's on the ball. He, just, he always seems to have time and just tries to get his distribution. His decision making is quite good as well, and some players just have that gift and some players just don't. You can Obviously, you can work on it, but I think for a player so young to show that maturity in his game, um, I think it's very, very good indeed. And hopefully, and, and I think I, I would like like him to start in the next game. I'm not too sure if he can play in the FA Cup, but if he can, then... I don't
4: think he's played for Arsenal in the FA Cup. I'm yeah, not I sure don't... about Connolly, though, because Connolly didn't yeah. play against Mansfield because Brighton apparently didn't want him to. So I'm not quite yeah. sure why it is with that.
1: Yeah, so I'm not too sure, um, but we'll find out. That's what, that's what the Borough Breakdown does. Um, but then we'll, let's move to our questions uh, for the week because you send us your questions on Twitter or on email and the e- email address is the theboroughbreakdown at hotmail.com. Um, and the first question is from Borough and it's coming back to that Connolly question that we asked earlier and he says, the obvious one, is Connolly good enough? Uh,
2: Tom, do you want to go first? I I think he's he's probably got the potential to be good enough. <clears throat> I think uh, like we said earlier um he, he's not played in in quite a while and we can't really make a decision after after three games. Um it just seems like Balogun's kind of out on him in the appearances that he had. So maybe maybe if it was switched around and he's getting appearances off the bench trying to make an impact then he can kind of start to show what he's he's all about. I think there's probably ability there. It's just uh He's, he's maybe going to need a little bit more time to get it
1: out of him. Mm, just needs a bit more time. And I would agree with you as well. Patience is probably needed in Connolly's case. Obviously, depending on how he fits in the system, we'll appreciate change, but you never know. Um, the next question is from Phil. Um, Tom, I'll stick with you because you love the lovely, or Jumley narrative. Um, is Jumley uh, starting to win the people over? I don't
2: know. Um, I mean, I, there was a lot of kind of posts on on Twitter yesterday kind of saying, oh, fair enough, I slayed him most weeks, but he was great today and stuff. And I was like, he's got 10, 10 clean sheets this season. And, you know, he, he has been been good in, in the performances, especially recently that he's, he's had. Yes, he's made a couple of a couple of mistakes um, kind of earlier in the season, but you can see the improvements that he's making now. And I just feel like... You know, if there was a mistake in the next couple of games, it might go back to that. Oh, he's, he's rubbish. Kind of get a get a better goalkeeper and you know, try and loan Dean Henderson or something like that. But um, <laughs>
4: <you> know, <laughs> that I, is silent. never, ever, he's... ever, ever going to happen. By the way.
2: Oh no! So, but people keep tweeting this. <laughs> I, I have seen that a couple of times. I'm like, we're so not getting he, him. <laughs> he is. He is linked
1: on. Well, back to Tom in the studio in a second. But uh, he is. He, <laughs> Dean Henderson is linked with Newcastle United to the end of the season, so that is on Sky Sports right now. So
2: know, the, poor, yeah. the, the poor kid, um, <laughs> but sorry, Tom, carry on. Yeah, so I, I I feel like that kind of uh attitude towards him could return if if there was you know a mistake in the ne- next few games or whatever. But I, I think lo- looking at him now, he should be winning people over because you know he, he's got lack like, of sheet record, he's Uh, You know, you you can see the improvements he's making game by game. He's clearly working on his distribution. And and even Wilder has spoken about him in press conference and he's done enough to keep that shirt. So I don't know kind of what else he would need to do to to win people over.
1: Mm, Absolutely, yeah. Well, what we've only lost two games under Chris Wilder since he's took over and appreciate the games that we've lost. I think one of them, I think Daniels was in goal. Of one was Blackburn. He didn't really have a chance. And it's just interesting that we're always trying to, to better this goalkeeper position. But there is improvement being made. And were are linked with a goalkeeper, of course. Uh, but Sam Holmes sends a question through uh, our email. Um, and he says, "Still, do we still need a new goalkeeper, even though we've won Dana? So would, would, sh- would and should Borough go into the market for a goalkeeper? Or should they stick with Lumley?
4: I don't think we should anyway, because, you know, it's January. What are you going to (laughs) get? I suppose the options are quite limited in terms of a proper number one. You could probably bring in a backup or a third choice, but in terms of a number one, you're not really going to get a lot of options, to be honest, because they're going to be starters and very important players for other clubs, unless you're going to flout money around and basically try to entice them with with big cash, which we're not going to do because they're not stupid. Then, it's probably not going to happen. And in fairness, I agree with Tom. There's not much that Lumley has done in the past couple of games that has given me any reason to doubt him, to be honest. So I think more trust should probably be put into Joe Lumley and I'm definitely going to, to to exercise that. To be fair, we put the snippet out of last week's podcast about the praising place, and we did get a little bit of comments from people saying, you know, we you praise him for not making a mistake this week? And people questioning and why we were praising him. But to be fair he's done well in the last two games, uh, last three games even. So, yeah, I think Lumley definitely deserves praise a little bit more trust, I think.
1: Yeah. Okay, then no problem at all. Uh, Joe Lumley has been released uh, from Mills Football Club. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, next, the next question, uh, it's from Ty, and he says, do you think Balogun should start the next game and thoughts on Piero's time on the pitch? thought he looked decent, personally. I know we've covered quite a bit on this, so just a quick short answer on this, Tom, um, but do you think Balogun should start the next game?
2: Yeah, definitely. Next question. Short answer. Um, <laughs> next question. Um, he's got straight
1: answer, straight to the point, that's what you want And it. Uh, next question is from Ryan. Uh, yeah, could be a quick one for you as well, yeah, because Dale Fry, is he the best centre-half in the league? Agree or strongly agree?
4: <laughs> we'll probably strongly agree
1: strongly agree uh, and then the next question and the final question um, it's from Danny and he says which positions do you think Wilder uh, will want in? So which one or two uh, positions do you think Wilder will want in? Tom do you want to take this one?
2: Yeah sure, I think a centre-back and a centre-defensive midfielder um, I think the centre-back will probably be a left-sided one uh, to give competition to McNair and obviously I don't think Howison really has any competition in that space at the moment so that's probably an area where we should look to strengthen as well
1: OK then well let's get a bit more transfer news then because we spoke to Craig Johns this week from the Gazette again inkling of how busy Borough will be in the transfer transfer window in the last couple of days
3: Just a quick disclaimer to say that I'm actually recording this at lunchtime on Saturday before the Coventry City game so I appreciate there's a little time between now and when the podcast will be released um, just in case anything I mention is is announced in that time because of course you know we're into the final days of the transfer window and, and Middlesbrough are hoping to still be busy. We spoke to Chris Wilder yesterday and he would still like a couple of incoming transfers if possible. The He's managed to get four in so far in this window. Uh, he would like a couple more, if possible, uh, just to strengthen his options in 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 various places. Although, understandably, he hasn't actually named the positions that he would like to strengthen in. Of course, the big thing as well, though, is balancing those books. And um, you know, some players still have to go out. He, he named a couple of weeks ago four who could publicly leave, and so far, only one of them has. In the meantime, you know, it looks like Marcus Brown's move to Charlton has broken down, and and indeed Cardiff had shown interest in in Piazu but uh, but they've had to look elsewhere too because Borough prefer a permanent, and they wanted a loan. It looks like they're going after ex-Borough striker Jordan Hugill instead, and and you know and. and as the, as the time ticks down, Borough need to balance the boots they do want to get these players off the boot. Uh, James Lee Saliki, sorry, the third, I forgot to mention there. You know, Borough's stance on that may soften and, and you know, Uchi does have alternative championship interest. It could be a case that it gets so late in the window and, and they have to accept a loan a loan move in the end for Uchi and then look to sell him in the summer. But, of course, Cardiff now would appear to be off the table given that they've moved elsewhere and, and gone after in. Instead, uh, but yeah, they, they want to get those those players out, and that'll help balance the books. But they have had the boost of the uh, you know their cut of the Manchester United tickets, of course, um, nine thousand five hundred or, or thereabouts uh, tickets sold for that trip to Old Trafford next Friday. So you know that's given them a cash boost as well, which will hopefully help. In terms of you know what incomings they would potentially look at, I think you look at the squad now and you think could he possibly do with another centre-back I have heard a name uh, it would be a signing more in the ilk of, of Caelan Boyd-Munce uh, a name was mentioned to me uh, a, a youngish centre-back uh, decent level but I think he'd be coming in as kind of a you know a project like Boyd-Munce has as well if if that one does come to fruition uh, right wing back too they didn't bring back Jed Spence this month for obvious reasons and, and but, but you know Beyond Isaiah Jones, the you know the other options they have for that position, if Jones were to miss a game, you know they're not natural and they would have to step out of positions in the team where they're also doing well. Uh, so it would you know maybe unbalance Middlesbrough's side a bit if Jones weren't to come out so that could be an area you could see them strengthen and also I think defensive midfield as well were Johnny House to come out again you know Paddy McNair can step into that role uh, Matt Crooks could probably drop deeper as well but you then lose them in the in the roles that they're playing and uh, And and, and so you know, if if they could get an option in those kind of positions, I think that's where you'd be looking at strengthening in the final days of the window. But you know, that's difficult in itself because as we're seeing. You know, they're coming in as, as backup, really, certainly initially, to players who are, you know, their place in the team is quite well cemented right now. So, you know, convincing players to come in into those positions will be difficult, but it, it could be why, you know, as I say, the like the centre-back name that I have heard, but haven't cemented in terms of whether they are going to firm up that interest quite yet you know, it, it it could be like a Boyd Mons type signing where they are, you know, like a project for Middlesbrough and the you know, they'd be happy to come in, have the coach in, you know, and, and and push for the first team but but appreciate that right away there might not be first team players. So uh you know, they're, they're, they're what I would say Burrow will be looking to do in the final days of the winter, but you know, it's 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 not easy and it's not guaranteed that they will be able to do that. The four signings that they have brought in, certainly the three senior players, have, have strengthened the first team, and I think Wilder is happy with that. I think the one position people would ask about most would be goalkeeper, but I think given everything Wilder said this month and how he's backed the goalkeepers, he's got my you know, failing on that would be that he, he will have looked at that position. It he, he does put emphasis on that position, but there hasn't been a viable option, you know, a good value option for Bearer this month. And therefore I think it'll be a position he looks to kind of strengthen in the long term. Unless, you know, this gives Joe Lumley now until the end of the season to kind of prove himself and to be fair, you know, since Wilder's come in, he's not done an awful lot wrong. So, you know, a chance for Joe Lumley I would imagine until the end of the season to show what he can do and and if he feels to to kind of convince, then then that'll be a, a one for the summer, I would suspect. But yeah, so that's uh, that's what I'm expecting in the in the kind of final few days of borough's transfer window. Thank you very much for that, Craig. Um, and we've
1: got a podcast with Craig and Dom coming out on Thursday, where we're going to review. The transfer window, in full. we did one in the in the earlier transfer window. We're going to do it again uh, this week, so look out for that one. But guys, Craig's alluded one to two signings. Borough are going to be a little bit busy. One signing could be for the future; the rest could be for now. Um, but do you think Borough should look to add to this squad before the transfer window? Do you think we still need to delve in, add a bit more experience, add a bit more players to the current what they currently have? Uh, Tom, do you want to take this one? <laughs>
2: I think we could use a couple. Uh, as I just said in the, the last question of the areas, I think we we should strengthen. Um, but that should only be once we've moved the players out that we're trying to get out. I think if we don't do that and they can't leave, then we risk going into the second half of the season with a, a squad too big, uh, probably you know a bit too much on the books, and you know that could. Uh, you know, influence financial fair play, so it's, it's obviously the last thing uh, Gibson would want to do. Um, so I, I think if we could get um, Saliki Brown and Uche out the door, um, then hopefully it just leaves a little bit of room for for a couple more signings around the around the first team.
1: Okay, then um, Dana. On the flip side, would you be happy if we didn't make any moves and kept things as they were?
4: Hmm, I'd be content. I don't think I'd be happy per se, but definitely content. I mean, we have solved the problem, or maybe not solved as yet, time will tell on that, but we've definitely added more options in the attacking areas of the pitch and in terms of strikers, because you think about who we had before going into January, we only had... Uche, Spira, and Coburn. So now we've really fleshed that area out, added more meat to the bones, and that's a massive plus. But I would like to see a left wing back, and attacking one, just add more balance to that left hand side as a long term option as well with that uh, deep line playmaker in that house and roll and then left sided centre half. So if we don't get them in, it's not the end of the world. We, we still have strengthened the squad, but yeah, content rather than happy, I'd probably say.
1: Okay, well, there could be a lot about goals happening. We have seen a couple this week. But one final thing on in terms of incomings. Hypothetically speaking, if you could pick or bring in a sensible transfer of your choice, who would it be and why? Um, go on, Dan, I'll stick with you. Who, do you think, who would you go for?
4: I would go, I know I just mentioned the left wing back there. I would go with Conor Grant of Plymouth, okay. someone that... I mean, he's he's a fantastic player. He was converted from a central midfielder to a left wing-back under Ryan Law. And there's a really good piece from Liam Henshaw, who um, does a little bit of of analysis in scouting. It's on Sporting Life, a really good in-depth piece on him. He's a very good crosser of the ball, very good in terms of progressive passes, um, good in terms of key passes, a good... A really good attacking wing back, I think, which is what we need because mm-hmm. just to take the heat off Isaiah of Jones a little bit, if we could bring somebody in in that left wing back position that could basically do the same as Jones, I think that would be a really good move for Borough. Whether he would move from Plymouth, I'm not so sure. Obviously, Ryan Law did leave, so it might be a case of can Conor Grand maybe push up another level. He's 26, I believe, so it's probably a time for him to maybe assess his options a little bit. But whether that will happen in January, not so sure. Might be one more for the summer, but you never know. Um, I know Borough have obviously sign Neil Taylor to an extended contract but for me it's just offering that little bit different attacking option on that left hand side to to compare to the right and to complement the right rather than contrast it
1: yeah uh, what a great show, by the way what he's a fantastic left back I'm surprised that he hasn't been like picked up already mm. um but again Definitely. now that we've set now that we've said that, you know, it's good. He's, he's going <laughs> yeah. to go to Manchester City next week. <laughs> no, um,
4: Preston. I'll tell you, he'll he'll follow Ryan Law of Preston, probably.
1: Yeah. Who will look very good at the moment under Ryan mm. Law, but we'll come with that uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but Tom, who is going to be your sensible transfer or transfers?
2: So I've went for a, an option in centre defence defensive midfield, and I'm going with Andy Rinomota from Reading. Uh very similar stats to Johnny Housen at the moment this season, even though he's only played 10 games uh on a small sample size. But also last season where he played the majority of the games, it was still very similar. Uh two successful tackles a game, one interception, one clearance. Uh I think it's who scored as the um the strengths from him has uh being strong at tackling and holding onto the ball. Uh, you know, 24 years old, I think it is. So he's got plenty of potential to to even improve if he's he's fitting into a system like Wilder's. Um, but also his contract expires at the end of this season so probably uh, a bit of a cheaper option uh mm. if, if we can get him in the last six months and and kind of get him uh compete with housing for that number six spot
1: yeah I mean, that's a great that's a great shout as well i appreciate our contract as well competing for for housing too i'm joining you on this front uh tom with like the center defensive mid um and he's been injured quite a bit the last couple of years but I think he's a really talented boy. Um, and I feel like we could twist this team's arm to try to because I know they're in a financial uh, restrictions at the moment. But Derby County's Christian Bielik, uh, I feel like, you know, good on the ball when, when, when he when he has played. appreciate his main strength to lie in that dribbling, interception, try to split up the play, try to get up to the wing backs. And maybe he could be that long-term success. He's only 24 years of age, 23, 24 years of age. And yes, he has had injuries and he's gonna need time to maybe adjust I think I believe he was meant to he's meant to play today for Derby. Um yeah. so we could potentially... we why not we you know play upon this financial difficulty of, of Derby. A good talented boy needs game time, of course. And you know, he'd give him six months away, he could probably find his feet and come back into the game again. But it could potentially be a good sign, I think. But
4: one of the best in his position, I think, Christian Bielik in the league. Mm. So yeah. it would be a good shout, but I'd, can you imagine Derby doing business with us? Really,
1: I don't think they'd have <laughs> like
4: a, I don't a think ha-
1: no. I don't think they'd have a choice at this point. Well, yeah, it's, very it's, true. They're going out of business by February, technically. To so. be fair,
4: yeah, he is probably their biggest asset, I would say. And mm. given their financial cripplement, should we say? Yeah, it, it, it could, they could. Their hand could be forced.
0: Yeah,
1: well, well, that's it. We'll, we'll, we'll soon see uh, when the transfer window shuts. But there has been quite a few outgoings this week. Callum Cavanaugh went to Harrogate. Sam Falarin went to the Queen of the South. Um, and Isaac Fletcher has went to Hartlepool, respectively. Some big, big moves for these young lads. Um, Dana, how important is it to get these guys out and trying to play uh, more first-team football?
4: Yeah, it is. But most importantly, it's really important on the type of team that we send them to which of course the lawn people the recruitment team will obviously keep in mind there is a big clamour a lot of the time of whenever the match reports come out from the under 23s or the under 18s. When you see Kavanaugh scoring a hat trick, when you see Kavanaugh scoring again the next week, there's a big clamour for, oh, get him in the first team. But I think sometimes that's quite destructive to a player's career. I mean, Kavanaugh is 18 years old. This isn't somebody that we should fast track into the first team. I think you need to be delicate with some young players. I remember when we spoke to Josh Walker, he said obviously he made his debut in that Fulham game where we famously played a lot of academy players. I think he was 16. He said he was 16 on that day. And he said it was probably too much too early for him because he was always so used to progressing that it almost felt like it, it was a little bit of a burden for him potentially. So we, we never want that to happen. I think you could maybe even say Tav was probably put in the first team a little bit too early because that it raises expectation, doesn't it? And. Yeah. I think with a lot of fans, not just Borough fans, but a lot of football fans in general, they they put academy players on a pedestal, so much so that there's only one way for them to go, and that is a big crash down. And all of a sudden, they go from the best player in the planet to one of the worst, and that happens a lot. So I think we should probably protect the young players, send them out on loan, and then see what they're, they're, they're like, maybe around the age of 20, 21. But definitely not a case of getting them in the first team. I understand the cause for that. But at the same time, I don't think it's a wise decision to put somebody like Kavanaugh in the first team yeah. right now.
1: Kavanaugh could do another five years on loan, really, and still be, what, 22, 23? Yeah. Um, it's that young, yeah. And still so young as a, as a centre forward. But Tom, how important is it then to, to be patient with these type of players, let them develop in their own time, and then progress them into the first team eventually?
2: Oh, I think it's very important. Uh, I don't think we should be expecting these players to kind of come back from from loan and be first like straight in the first team. Uh, other than maybe Sam Falarin if he's anything like uh, if if he's time in the south, anything like Isaiah Jones, <laughs> might, might be somewhere in the water up there, and he just comes back uh, <laughs> an absolute beast on the wing or something. But um, yeah, uh, I, I think this is it's a, a good development loan for for all of them, and they come back better hopefully kind of push on for for a better loan next season as well uh, and and then kind of continue improving from there.
1: And even though he was captain against Reading and made an influential uh, part of the game to help us win the game, do you think Josh Corburn just needs some time on loan as well, Tom?
2: Potentially. Um, I think we saw against Blackburn, he was, what, the fifth striker on the pitch at at that point when we were going for the McLaren ball right at the end. I thought
1: was going to call you on the stands there, Tom, and see how Tom got up front as well. (laughs) (laughs)
2: LAUGHTER Oh, I need you running off as either side for that. but um...
4: <laughs> with his one knee. Oh,
2: oh one yeah. yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> that, Hopping hop, hop past us on the overlook.
4: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: uh, well, that's it. I played my game on Friday, scored a hat, and then that's it. That's what we done now for like the next month and a half.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, r- regular football for Corburn could be a good thing. Yeah. Um... But also, it, it looks like he might get chances kind of in and around the first team, just to to kind of come on when we're playing McLaren Ball. So uh, that could equally be as uh, as useful for him as development.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, some players do very very well in and around the club and play off with uh, with, with different players uh, within our within our team, and some players prefer going out alone and, and playing the trade there. And um, but one player that could and is set to leave Middlesbrough in the coming days is Marcus Brown. Um, Dana, the, the Charlton deal is just being claimed that it's off um, and he's now set to join Oxford in a permanent deal, undisclosed fee. Marcus Brown had so much talent and ability, but you just disappointed in, in the way it's just never really taken off.
4: Yeah, it's a bit unfortunate for him, isn't it? Because when he came into the team in that Brentford game, January 2021, was it? Obviously, he suffered mm-hmm. that injury, which curtailed his season and also kind of, in turn, was come to be, it's curtailed his Middlesbrough career because Chris Wilder comes in, we play wing-backs, he doesn't play with wingers so he's not really, he doesn't really sit the system very similar to Onel Hernandez in that respect so yeah, it's, it's it's disappointing because even, I mean there was a lot of ill-discipline from Marcus Brown on the pitch in terms of, be I guess being a bit of a hothead, he did get sent off in that Swansea game which kind of threw the game for us under Jonathan Woodgate, was taken off a half-time, two games in a row under Woodgate as well, earlier on in that season and even buried in within that there's there was potential there for him to be a very good player and it just hasn't happened has it, the circumstances obviously the injury and then a little bit of his application on the pitch and that kind of rush of blood from him which I mean it's, it, it's the passion of the game isn't it but I think sometimes he, he should probably have just reined it in and obviously we'll know that now looking back but yeah, mm. um quite disappointing but nothing against him obviously it just hasn't worked Going to miss his dancing videos from his Instagram stories of uh, his rehab days. But, yeah, um, obviously wish him all the best. It's a really good move going back to Oxford because they really like him there.
1: They do. They've got posters all over the walls uh, of Marcus Brown at Oxford. Um, But, Tom... Right move, permanent basis. Or do you think you could have maybe given one more loan and try to give him one final chance?
2: I think it's the right thing on a permanent. I think it's a similar thing to to Uche where you can have the right attitude and uh, you know that determination to succeed. But if you're not fitting into the manager's system, then your chances are going to be very limited and you're not going to grow as a footballer. Um, I think Oxford, as as has just mentioned there, it's it's a club that absolutely loves Marcus Brown, will probably be very happy at getting back. He'd, he'd be playing a lot of football there, and he's he's going to have more of a chance to develop as a footballer from that uh, f- from that move. So, yeah, it's probably the best thing for him.
1: Okay, I think it's the best thing for him. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, let's. <laughs> Well, well, let's look ahead then uh, to Friday. Now, Bora travel to the Theatre of Dreams to play Manchester United in the FA Cup fourth round. the Ex Reds are coming off an extended break in the Premier League schedule and have won three out of the last four games. Unfortunately, we couldn't get a Manchester United perspective this week. They feel like they're too big time for Borough now. Um, but we'll break them down better than they will anyway. So, uh, guys... Let's look at the game in general. How do you think we can beat this Manchester United side? Dana and Tom, I'll pass you the mic. Let's go.
4: It's difficult because, obviously, first and foremost, stating the obvious here, <laughs> they have quality that is far, far superior to ours. I mean, there is a big conversation around the performance of the team, the application of the team. Fans aren't happy with the players because they don't feel like they're really pulling their weight so much. Um, so there's a big conversation around that at the moment. It seems a bit of a circus-like situation at Old Tra- Old Trafford and Manchester United at the moment. But, I mean, the last game that we played against them, obviously, in the Cup, a very similar situation of what Borough will go into on Friday in a good way, in a season where we're, we're challenging for promotion. I can't really remember too much of that game. I know obviously it was nil-nil in normal time, extra time. I can remember Memphis if I had an absolute stinker. I think Grand Ledbetter had a chance where he tried to loft it over the goalkeeper. I can't remember too much with I it. Remember,
1: so... I remember James Wilson not having a touch and getting dragged after 45 minutes. So.
4: <laughs> <laughs> they, I mean, they were pretty bad. I, I kind of remember them being pretty poor that match. But... um. Mm. I think it's probably one where I would expect us to be bold. I would expect us to be brave. I would expect us to try and keep it tight at the same time. I mean, Chris Wilder's sides probably won't cave under pressure of the opponent. So I think it'll be a game where... I'll be interested to see our approach to it. Obviously, I don't think we're going to... As I said, I don't think we're going to cave under the pressure of Manchester United. I think we're going to try and attack them and and be bold and brave. But um, maybe it's just a case of keeping it tight and seeing if we can maybe ride it to to extra time and then potentially penalties as well.
1: Absolutely. Tom, is is there anything to add to that? Any players to look out for maybe? Any we've ever heard of?
2: Uh, well, I mean, it, it depends what what type of team they're going to put out, doesn't it? I mean, if they put out a full-strength team, then the obvious one's Ronaldo, but I don't feel like they'd risk him against Spur when uh, they've, they've got other, other games coming up. I think uh, they might even have a couple of midweek games coming up. Um, so I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but I think obviously the the key to to, to winning this is keeping it tight at the back with, uh, you know, our, our three centre-backs trying to nullify their, their strikers. And... I've I feel like uh, United the play kind of a narrow formation and it is still a four-two-two-two. Two, two. Mm-hmm. Uh so probably hit them out wide. Um that might work well for uh, for Jones to kind of uh, being able to run at people, and hopefully, if we can have uh, Balogun playing as well, uh, then we've got that Taylor to have Balogun link up on the left hand side to hopefully create some chances as well. I think we just need to try and play play our game, not be kind of overawed by the occasion, or not be threatened by them. Um, you know, at the end of the day, like they they kind of have seemed seemed a little bit disjointed since uh, Ranier came in. And I feel like we're, we've adapted to Chris Wilder very quickly. So I think we're coming into this where one team's kind of really um, well-drilled in terms of the playing style and the other one's still learning it. So uh, hopefully that can play into our advantage as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think when you are saying they're on the four-two-two-two, um when they play it quite inverted, I feel like it's for Millsborough, you're, you're probably going to have to be expansive to try and get in and around them. But then also, what I would probably like to see a little bit more of is our centre-back coming at the midfield uh, a little bit more against Manchester United. Try and make things a little bit more difficult. Try and use the extra man well when we can. And then hopefully, if you do see that as well, if you can see Paddy McNair maybe coming into the midfield, and then you also see like a Balogun drop in, you're causing a lot of carnage in that midfield space and try to overload it and try and get in behind as well. So uh, I think we could potentially see that. But of course, the quality is, is going to be vast and it's different. And it could be quite difficult even if a borough, but you never know, it's the magic of the cup. But guys, what is your predictions going to be? Tom, what are you gonna go for? I'm gonna go 2 0, borough.
2: I'm gonna <laughs> be brave with it this <laughs> week and uh, say, uh, you know, we- we'll benefit from you know playing regularly, being well drilled, and they've just all went for a uh, for holiday in the uh, international <laughs> break, haven't they? So I'm gonna go with the the two nil. Two no win. Uh, Dan, what are you gonna go for?
4: Yeah, I wish I could be optimistic like Tom, but I just feel like their quality will probably get the better of us. Um, I'll probably go for a Man United win, but I'm looking forward to the game nonetheless. It's actually the last away game that me and my dad went to was actually Old Trafford. Um, obviously, the, the whole um, display, the protest, the, I don't know, display of unity towards the steelweights. My dad lost his job very Quickly after that, so we I think circumstances and obviously money as well. Um, we haven't been to any away games since, so it's, it's somewhat a full circle moment I think. So it'd be great to repeat the feat of last time, but I yeah I'm not. I think Man United will probably win.
1: Yeah, he doesn't get to many away games, does Dave? Does he? Um, doesn't doesn't want to travel? Unfortunately,
4: not. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's 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 everywhere. He's honestly everywhere, so you, you can't get to them. But yeah, it'll be it'll be a good one. This one, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully it will be better than Blackburn. But guys, what he's looking forward to the most. I know you two are going. I couldn't justify paying forty six pounds to, to go and watch it.
2: Uh what's on what are you looking forward to the most? Uh just just the the kind of event as a whole, really. Uh you know, I'm, I'm off work that day. Uh so it'll be like a, a long kind of lead up to it. And then yeah, just kind of uh just the experience of going there. I've not actually been to Old Trafford since 2002.
4: Um, oh, the... nearly 2003.
2: 2003. <laughs> <laughs> since the, uh, the, the Borough versus Arsenal FA Cup semi-final. Yeah. Um, so it, it'd be good to go again. I just remember from what, that day, there was uh, a chips and curry Place around the corner, which actually eclipses the van from around the corner from Riverside. Oh, so, <laughs> how you Hopefully, that. that's 20, still. Uh... 20, it's twenty years ago. Like literally, <laughs> <laughs> twenty Tom, uh, the... Tom's well, like know...
4: sneaking around Old Trafford. Like, where's that curry? Where's that chips <laughs> of curry? You know van? What? And it's not there. <laughs>
2: I-, I googled it last week what i thought i remembered the name of it wasn't like the top review was like i'm never going here again the guy <laughs> picked up a-, a sausage and a fish with his hands instead of using the tongs i was like yeah, you meet me- m- maybe not but
1: <laughs> maybe because you're just so hungry that it tasted so nice but i think it, it was just the, the the um feeling upset after getting knocked out of the cup yeah best bestest on goal uh i was there as well um Showing our age, but I'm going to go 1 0 Borough win. And we're going to go at the fifth round in the FA Cup and then we're going to win it all and get promoted. Um, but that's <laughs> it, guys. Thank you very much for joining me, as always. And thank you very much to <laughs> the listeners for listening. But Borough making five wins in a row at home, climb back into the playoffs and two defeats in 12. Things are looking up for Borough, and consistency is key in this division. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast. And that was all your Borough Day chatter in a pod up the Borough Breakdown.